State of the Industry podcast. This episode is brought to you by KP Movement Education, your source for health and movement education and coaching. Whether you are a health or fitness professional, a fitness consumer, or perhaps a passive bystander, KP believes that everyone deserves the right to pain-free movement. That's why their memberships and services are designed to educate, empower, and inspire you to create a culture of movement for yourself and those around you. With two membership options, you'll find education surrounding developing at-home training programs for yourself or for others, mental health and exercise, lifestyle medicine, and much, much more. Check it out at kineticperformance.ca backslash memberships. That's kineticperformance.ca backslash memberships. Welcome back to the State of the Industry podcast. I am your host, Adam Youngsma. This week, we have part two of my conversation with the strength and conditioning coordinator for the San Jose Sharks, Mike Potenza. Mike is currently in his 15th season with the Sharks, where he is responsible for the team's overall strength and conditioning programs, including the creation of individualized postseason workout programs and assistance in the rehabilitation efforts for all injured players. Mike has been involved in the development of some amazing products over the years, including most recently the optimizing adaptations and performance which he put together with Kevin Neald and James Laval. He's also the president of the Strength and Conditioning Association of Professional Hockey and part of a group that put together ProHockeyStrength.com, a site that houses the best of the best from strength and conditioning coaches across the NHL and AHL. It is highly recommended to anybody who is interested in training or currently training hockey athletes. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I highly suggest that you go back before listening to part two. But either way, let's dive right in. Welcome back, Mike, to the State of the Industry podcast. I'm really excited for part two. I think we left a little bit of a cliffhanger for everybody in this because we kind of brushed over blood chemistry analysis in part number one. And that's where I want to pick up here. So when we're looking at blood chemistry, uh, you talked about a few of the markers that you're kind of evaluating. You talked about vitamin D being a big thing. You talked about trace minerals. Are there anything, any other markers that you're really looking for specific in your population? Uh, so very anaerobic athletes that you're trying to pull out and really monitor. Yeah. Um, you got to kind of, kind of big rocks, I guess. Um, and more information, I think, in this case is better because then you can get a good pers perspective on a full workup um, on health markers and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, kidney function, how is that going? How's your filtration rate? Are you not drinking a, you're not drinking enough water. Maybe at times your kidney filtration rate isn't too uh, is is slow based on what your training is. You know, mm -hmm. so our kidney mark, our some of our kidney markers are renal markers are higher when we go into a little bit before training camp because we're going to work capacity phase so we're, we're working pretty damn hard on and off the ice so we want to develop that quality but we don't want to obviously obviously compromise our players too much and we just want to make sure that 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 we know we know it's there it's not tipped completely in the other direction but you know when we looked at it and our doctors like well geez this is pretty high I'm like well we had a some hard ass workouts for the last two weeks. You yeah. Know? And he's like, okay, we can, when we at the recheck, we'll see where, where, where we're at. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, but over time we, we know that's going to be a response to our training. Right. So mm -hmm. that's a health marker you kind of want to keep an eye on. Right. Magnesium, your cortisol, uh, free testosterone. Those are, those are things that you want to make sure they have in check because magnesium is used in many, many, metabolic functions within our body and we don't get enough of it right and then yeah. um you know i think that's kind of like the a, a big nutrient that uh, that we should we should you know be supplementing with it will help with sleep it'll help with um anaerobic production obviously everything um, yeah. so 
that's one not to lose sight of. And uh, vitamin D, as we know, vitamin D could be affected because of the environment you're in. It could be affected because, you know, you don't absorb it well. You know, you want to link vitamin D to vitamin A for absorption purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your, your, your cortisol is another one and testosterone, but that may be affected because one of your training a lot, you're not sleeping, right? So that that's the cascade effect. If your sleep is, is poor, cortisol is going to be higher and the testosterone is going to be flipped. So you could get a great, you can get an improved testosterone response just by controlling cortisol, right? Mm-hmm. So any sleep nutrients or herbs that would help you having a more restful sleep, even if you're only going to get six hours, you know, yeah. you're a, you're training and you got a new baby in the house or, or whatever. You're just not, you just, you just had a game, if you will, you know, you can, we can think of a million scenarios, right? Just had a game, you know, you're going to have a tough time falling asleep. Maybe you're going to get to sleep at two o'clock in the morning and you're only going to get good, a good six hours. Right. Yeah. So utilize some adaptogens or herbal pathways to, to get a more deeper quality sleep so that you can get into REM, um, deep stages of REM and then have the, have your testosterone be, uh, be released better. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Now we, we've gone to that a lot. We'll put our own little sleep nutrient packet together to help guys one down regulate the system in a safe way and then have some sort of nutrients on board for repair. Right. And, um, herbal, herbal, uh, supplements and things like that. And, uh, but downrating, downregulating the system is, is key, right? Yeah. Just have a restful sleep and you'll never get to that deep stage of REM. So cortisol will still win the battle and testosterone yeah. won't be released. So those are my kind of, those are my, those are my big ones. Obviously, um, by the nature of how you eat, um, you want to look at omega levels and good cholesterols, obviously, and making sure that, you know, um, fatty acids are at an optimized level, things like mm-hmm. that be dictated by diet more so than anything, but you know, some guys may need more. Right. Yeah. So, so when it comes to, cause you were talking a little bit about, um, you know, for example, magnesium being very important, vitamin D, obviously, like I live in Canada. So vitamin D for us up here is even more important because we don't have any sun <laughs> half of the year. So, uh, when it comes to those, do you, because you were talking about the amounts and obviously you're going to look at the blood chemistry to see, okay, how much does this person need extra from what they're getting in their environment and their food? Mm-hmm. And you're going to kind of figure that out. But uh, when we're looking at the timing of vitamin D, would you, if you have to give uh, uh, an athlete, let's say 5,000 IUs of, of vitamin D in a day, do you give it all at once? Do you give it in kind of you know, thousand. Yeah, we don't answer. spread. We don't. We don't spread the loading out. Um, uh, the company that we use is Thorn, and they'll make a ten thousand IU. To, um, I think. I think they make the ten thousand IU. I know they have a five thousand IU tablet. So, um, we will. We'll just supplement that in the morning. Okay. Right. Um, for guys in the afternoon, if we depending upon how big the pills are, you know, there's a, there's a phenomenon of pill fatigue amongst the guys. They just don't want to take pills all the time. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, it gets kind of boring and some guys don't like to take the pills because it's hard to, you know, ingest. So we'll break up maybe the omegas because they're, they're a fairly larger pill and, and at least on the market for all the products and all the companies that produce them. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll break those up probably that one is probably the more specific one. And then anything based around food, the minerals will, will, will go based around food. Vitamin C will be based around food. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really haven't gone with a multi anymore, yeah. you know, because they're yeah. so low and what you need, you'd have to take, you, you just be, you would be overfilling the bucket in one area and then underfilling mm-hmm. it in the other. So. Yeah, and it comes back to that idea of individualization for you, right? Every every athlete's going to be a bit different, and they're like, or else there's no point in doing blood chemistry if you're just going to feed everybody the same multi. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then for magnesium too, because you, you mentioned that that's that's pretty important. If you were to average it out, and I know everybody's a little bit different, but if you were to average it out, what would be the approximate amount that you'd want somebody to get for if they're if they're training, let's say four to five days a week, they're um, you know wanting to improve sleep a little bit because they're maybe not 
getting into deep sleep, they're having trouble falling asleep, those types of things. What would you recommend for magnesium? I think, um, I think the, our markers based on what Jim's educated us on was 300 to 500 um, milligrams. Okay. So, um, and that's comfortable. I think if you, uh, there's, there's several that if you're way over, you know, your amount, it could cause some G- GI distress. So, mm-hmm. um, so we're about, we're about the 300. I know I put that into um, kind of our post game or our sleep packet, if you will, you know, yeah. that, that we distribute to guys. Yeah. Um, just because I'm curious, what else is in that? And I know once again, individualization, everybody's a little bit different, but what else would be in that sleep packet? So you'd have magnesium, uh, you mentioned some adaptogens perhaps. Yep. What so, else would you have um, in there? Ashwagandha, cat's claw, um, um, trying to think what, uh, 5-HTP, uh, and L-theanine, which kind of can help them downregulate a little bit. And, and relax uh, and um there's some other uh i'm trying i'm drawing a blank right now um reservatrol which is kind of an antioxidant slash uh free radical scavenger that is really good for recovery mm-hmm. um that's pretty that's pretty much it there's there's been they're not all individualized some of them just come in this this you know uh this adaptogen pill that we get from a company you know okay um to to that's promoting sleep um Avacare makes a pretty good one called biotune um which has a lot of really good stuff um, grapeseed extract um magnolia is another really good one for for to relax uh you know if you post it on your site i can actually get you all the you know the profile for it um but the um those will help down regulate and and help you help you help you relax melatonin is used sparingly guys who are really that far down the rabbit's hole of mm-hmm. of uh not being able to sleep will use a small dosage of melatonin right which is important so i mean the melatonin has proved to be more successful than ambien especially on the back-to-backs and then with the kind of ambien hangover the grogginess the following day yeah that's, yeah. that's key, right okay awesome i think there's i think there's it's worth noting, like in pro sports, ambience, ambient usage is really high because of the amount of games that guys play, especially within baseball, basketball, and hockey, right? So mm-hmm. when you're taking ambient and frequently, um, you know, maybe post game, you know, and, and if, hey, you know, there's some days, some months where we play 12 to 15 games in a month, right? So that's every other day, you know. And if you're using ambient to go to sleep, and ambient doesn't, Ambient puts you to sleep. It doesn't necessarily will get you into a deep stage of sleep. Right? Yeah. So you could be taking Ambien thinking you're getting your sleep, but you're not getting into deep REM and then your testosterone is compromised, right? Or cortisol yeah. is still winning, but yeah. you aren't sleeping. So, you know, we've effectively, with the dosages of those types of ingredients, chamomile was another one, right? Um, and different sleep hygiene strategies. We've been able to get guys to have a, little, a more efficient, pattern or, or, or process to go to sleep mm-hmm. and see some benefits in their testosterone levels right and and, yeah. and cortisol shifts so you know it, we don't want to lose that battle and we want to make sure that they can get into those deep realms of sleep you know not just by the not just by a pill yeah and and for for a professional athlete being able to as you said win that battle between you know cortisol and testosterone is a is a big deal right it's mm-hmm. it's a yeah, very important, not only like just for awareness and preventing breakdown, but also promoting recovery and then in the off-season building yeah. and maximizing yeah, if cortisol is winning all the time, there's a huge rust factor, if you will, towards the end of the year and your, your durability will be, will be compromised. And you, know, you really want to manage that. You want, at least want to get a snapshot of where that is at. You know, and again, and, and look, there's going to be listeners who are definitely within the blood work um, belief and, and practice. And, and I get it. Like blood work is going is, is a snapshot of maybe that particular day. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to, I think, I think it's more than a snapshot when you're doing it multiple times a year and you're seeing the same stuff come up, you know? Yeah. And, and um, so I want to make sure we have at least provide the right interventions. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's something to, something to be said about seeing a pattern, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a snapshot, but it's still a pattern that we're seeing that needs to be addressed. All right, let's switch gears. We're going to move away from blood chemistry. And I want to get into talking about uh, programming and optimizing performance with that. Because when you look at something like a professional sport, a professional athlete, the difference between a win and a loss is, you know, if you go back to uh, any given Sunday, right, it's inches, right? It's a game of inches. It's, you know, it's milliseconds. It's, um, you know, a a pound of force here, there, uh, a second of reaction time. And so before we get into the specifics about how you would program and how you kind of look at programming and organize training cycles and all those types of things, what are some principles that you have for optimizing performance adaptations? Um, well, I think within doing that within the program is to make sure that, you know, much like we talked about the biomechanical assessment, and giving the athlete appropriate exercises, you need to know what what bucket or what strength quality maybe the athlete needs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and what they need more of, I should say. You know, we've we've gone to the kind of periodization scheme, if you will, of we're always going to work on a quality of speed. We're always going to work on a quality of strength or max strength, and then power, right? So the workouts are going to be dictated, or dictated from those buckets, right? Mm-hmm. And then we go through our individualization so that everybody can perform that particular quality. We have guys who have shown better in our speed tests than others, right? So they need they need that bucket to be, you know, to be maintained, but we're not going to overfill that for them, mm-hmm. right? That makes sense. Yeah. We have guys who, who who need to be stronger. So, but we're going to overfill that bucket for those particular athletes. So whatever the player, based on the, what we see on their testing scores, we'll give them maybe an extra day. Right. So generally we want to go from speed to power to strength and just kind of rotate through those. However, the schedule allows us to, we don't want to go very far from the occurrence of a particular workout. And then, geez, we're not doing this particular quality three weeks from now i I really liked um it it really was influenced i should say by vladimir isseran's block periodization book Mm -hmm. um while it's block periodization you know i think the residual training effects idea i it was really important to know how long a training quality can be held on for if you didn't even do it right Mm -hmm. so that minimal effective dosing kind of idea as well um I don't want to go too far away from doing speed and coming back to it. And then us having in, to be in that situation where we got to rebuild it. Right. Yeah. So for our guys, um, some who need an extra max strength, they will get it. Some who need an extra speed, they will get it. Some who need more power related work will get it, you know? So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll manage that. And how I kind of, how I, how I uh, implement it is we have two TVs in the gym and, if you have, if you have a, if it's a speed day for you, then your name and number will be up in that column on the TV uh, and your workout will be underneath it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, including any biomechanical uh, changes or regressions that you need, that you need in your program. Yeah. And then and if your guys in the power kind of bucket, then your number will be up there. And then obviously it happens with all the other qualities as, as well. Uh, uh, speed power. And then obviously strength. Yeah. So, do you ever find that with, because I, I see this a lot with young athletes. So I want to see if it kind of sticks, you know, from the, the age that you're typically seeing, you know, even prospects at, you know, typically what 16 to 18, I guess is the, the age range. And then, you know, if they're really good rookies are probably in at 18, 19 and yeah. uh, um, kids and prospects are 18, they're turning 18 or they are early 18. You know, yeah. Just, so do you see any of them come in and just say, I, I just want to, like, I just want to lift heavy. I just want to get strong. So they almost try to dictate the, uh, the effect that they want. But then when you do an assessment, you see that the, the bucket that needs to be filled is actually somewhere else. Do you see yeah. that a lot? Um, sometimes, you, you know, sometimes, I mean, you get like the like, hockey is, and I guess I can't speak for any other sport, but um Hockey is very much in the off season. Every player has their own personal strength coach, right? 
Yeah. So you got to kind of deal with that in a way. And mm-hmm. uh, so, but that's, that's not to say that's a negative, but at the same time, it's like the challenge for me as a young player coming in, having, you know, we assess them and we know our system. We know the qualities that's going to be important. We know the role he's going to play, but we know the qualities that are going to be important for this player to be successful in the system. And then we have a plan based on that, based on knowing all of our internal team knowledge. Mm-hmm. But they say, well, my trainer said I need to work on this. Mm. Like, okay. I can agree. I could disagree. A lot of the times I know the trainer. So it's, you know, um, that's help. That's massively helpful. Yeah. But, you know, with that perspective, I always say to them, I was like, do you know, you know, do you know the system we're going to play? Do you know your role you're going to play? You know, and, and if it's, if it doesn't match up, then that's when I go into my explanation. This is why you need to work on these things. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't work with your trainer, but share the information that we have on you and our system and what's expected of you. So then he can maybe rethink his program. Right. Yeah. So, um, I don't get I don't get a lot of that with the young players by any means. Sometimes, but um, it, it's not. It, once once they understand how we're looking at it from a team perspective, it, mm-hmm. we we get on the same page. Yeah. So for those strength coaches who are working with your athletes, your your team in the off season, do you? send the athletes with something or do they just know by that point when they get to the off season, what buckets they need to fill and then they communicate with the strength coach? Um, there's two forms. So the American league guys and the NHL guys all get, well, everybody gets the program, the summer mm. program. Right. And if it's a new guy, then I have to do a little bit more. Um, if they haven't come to development camp, like the draft picks from this year, we, we didn't have a development camp, so I couldn't test them. Yeah. So um, I have to do a little more digging on what they're doing and what their history of training is so I can assign them our team training program, right? That yeah. fit their needs, right? Um, but everybody else, if you're a signed prospect, um, American League guy, NHL guy, you'll get our training program. And then it's based on what your needs are, right? Where you excel at some things and then where you need to work on other things, mm-hmm. right? And then um, we the NHL guys and the American league guys leave at the end of the year, whenever that may be with kind of a goal sheet and we okay. meet, I'll meet with our guys. And then I'll meet with some of the American league guys, um, the guys who kind of got, got called up, up and down throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And our minor league strength coach will meet with them and be like, Hey, this is what we want to work on. This is the goal. This is why we're going to do it. Here's your benchmarks to shoot for, you know, coming into next year. Maybe we want to move you from, you know, a 27 inch vertical jump, maybe to 29 or, or 30, okay. you know, um, we, we want to get you more power. So, you know, the way we're going to test it, um, the way we're going to test it on the, uh, it will be through Wingate, your max, max power output or relative power output. You know, we need you to go from a 1300 Watts to 1500 Watts. And, and here's what we're going to do in the program to, to facilitate that. So, mm-hmm. uh, so everybody kind everybody knows, everybody gets a program. Should they choose not to use it? That's their, that's, that's their choice. Like they may have their own private strength coach and that's fine. Yeah, but you'll at least have a program. And I try to reach out to every trainer of our guys, you know, um, and, and get on the same page. You know, I think that's critical. I think commu- that communication is vital. So whether, you know, it shouldn't be a, well, I'll let the team strength coach call me or, or any of that BS, you know, like both egos need to be put away and it doesn't matter who calls who first, just get in touch with the players, you know? Yeah. Um, to, to get on the same page because you're only screwing the player if, 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 if you're waiting for the other to call. So. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely doing a disservice to the athlete in that scenario. Um, when you have that. Yes. I had a, I, just, I, I had a situation once. Um, and the reason, the reason I asked the question, cause I had a situation once where the, the head strength coach of an international team uh, so I was a soccer player I was working with and they had played a, a tournament down in Mexico and they sat down with this player and talked to him. And basically he came back to me and said, Hey, so the, um, the head strength coach said that I have to get a six pack in, in the next six weeks in order to go back. And I just like looked at him like, so is he trying to say you're, you got a week 
spinal stabilization system we need to work on that are you saying is he saying you're fat like does that try to be the nice way of saying that right right and uh like no call i didn't have the contact information for this strength coach at all um like i wouldn't even be able to tell you the strength coach's name no idea and uh did not communicate with me and i just kind of like i just looked at looked at him and i'm like one you've never had a six pack in your life and yeah. you're playing internationally i'm pretty sure that's not the issue it's a little bit of weight thing okay we can we can deal like if he wants you to lose a few pounds but uh, the functionality of a, you know, uh, of a six pack is, is really irrelevant right. when it mm-hmm. comes to that. So, and that might actually be getting a six pack for some athletes may actually be detrimental to performance because it actually may be dropping way below their right. optimal fat content, right? The fat percentage, but anyways, yeah. So that was just, that's why I asked that question to yeah. see, but yeah. Uh, okay. So let's get into discussing a little bit more about the actual programming that you do and how you utilize some of your periodization schemes to to get the performance so i know that we're we're focusing specifically on you know what buckets for this individual player we're going to need to focus on Um, and as you mentioned for hockey very specific to speed strength and power output um, and a lot of anaerobic power uh, being kind of what the focus is. So how do you organize your training periods both within season and out of season and, and periodize to make sure that we aren't just maintaining in season that we're continuing progressing? Yeah. In season, first step is who needs more of a, uh, you know, development, uh, physical development shouldn't just be exclusive to the, to the young prospect players that you, you bring in, obviously. So who needs more of a particular bucket for physical development? Right. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll address those, as I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of guys who want to work on extra stuff, um, whether it be foot speed, whether it be um, you know, speed on the ice um, in terms of power output on the ice. And, and we'll do that through some, you know, manual resistance type work on the ice. So, so we, we address those needs there. There are guys that want to do a little bit more on top of what they're doing. Um, and that is a hundred. Well, I should say, I want to say it's hundred percent on them in terms of they bring, we have such a good culture that guys are like, Hey, Mike, I want to get stronger in the corner, you know? And it's okay. Well, we're, we're doing a lot of max strength work, right? Let's do some kind of manual resistance. Um, one, do more battling on the ice, right? So yeah. that's your prescription on the ice that I'm going to tell the coaches to do with you. Let's do some stuff in the gym that is working on your starts and, and, and where, where we may be wrestling shoulder to shoulder before they break off into a sprint. Right. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll do things like that. Some guys, you know, be like, my God, my, my acceleration on the ice isn't really good. I'm like, okay, well, I do have you as a need for speed. So let's work on mechanically up here in the gym and how we can almost prep the software to run for speed. Right. Yeah. So, Here's your mechanics. Here's the acceleration zone that we want to build in. Here's the maybe a, a safe, you know, snatch pull or clean pull so we can get some rate of force work. Um, maybe we'll do some high force work where it's pushing the sled laterally or pushing it straight ahead. And mm-hmm. then we carry that on the ice with some resisted band work, right? Short, yeah. explosive resisted band work. Um, so it's kind of cool to see the curiosity and the work level of guys that want to work on their game and it spills over into their skill work too you know mm-hmm. they want to be able to make a you know basically they'll you know tactically they'll get themselves into a soft spot position for a, t- a shot attempt in the offensive zone they work on that stuff you, you know what i mean it's no different than michael jordan perfecting his 20-foot jumper right yeah. faking the cut and slash and pulling back and then boom 20-foot jumper and can shoot it all day yeah that's kind of exciting, you know, to, to, to work with guys and have them look at their sport in that great detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Patrick Marlowe, Joe Thornton, Joe Pavelski, Brent Burns, like these guys were, they were amazing at it. And I'm very fortunate, as I said earlier, to have a front row seat to that, to see them mm-hmm. really truly working on that. And, and I'm sure other strength coaches are too, in, in other different, other different sports with particular athletes. Yeah. Um, so th- that's where kind of, details kind of rubber meets the road kind of thing you know i think it's critical that you as a performance coach will 
identify things that the coaches see. You need to have communi- communication. You know, let's not let's not dilute the word communication. You know, let's let's not only show and talk about what we're seeing in the gym and what we're testing and how the fitness levels of guys are. Let's find out how, how what the coaches are seeing, where the player needs to get better, make the adjustment in the gym, but also put it on the coaches to make the adjustment on the ice, you know? And I said, you know, I have one experience, experience where somebody says, you know, this guy's not, this guy's guy can get faster. And I'm like, uh, okay, we'll do more stuff up in the gym. And then we did it. We did it. We did it. I'm like, how's he doing? I'm like, he's doing good. Like he's gotten better. I'm like, have you done any extra speed stuff on the ice? And I watch practice every day because I'm monitoring it. And then they're like, well, we did this, this, and this. I'm like, you know, it's not, that's not speed work. That's not true speed work. That that's, that's conditioning, you know, yeah. just because you want him to go fast for 40 seconds of a shift drill is doesn't mean it's speed work, you know? Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it takes two to tango and, and I'm upstairs working on a specific quality that the coaches want. I got no problem with that. I love that feedback. That's where it really gets, you know, truly you're, you're, you're still making those guys at the tip of the spear even better, you know? Yeah. But the coaching world has to come around to, okay, I'm going to work on speed work with this guy. He's not going to go and shoot a thousand pucks. He's going to get on the line. We're going to do some, he, he may, he may battle for a puck and then boom, break off into a 10 foot, 10 meter sprint. Right. Yeah. So it's really true applicable speed work in this case, as an example um, for the player, we've had guys like, Hey, this guy falls down a lot when he's battling. I'm like, let's watch some video. And I'm like, and, and okay. He can be stronger, max strength up in the gym, right? High force output. And then, get them on the ice and do the battles his position mm-hmm. for right so there's this we're moving towards this um really specific prescription that's that's matched up in parallel to what happens in the gym right and what happens on the ice so so the player can't escape really it's like we could be working on something in the gym but the coaches don't know what we're doing that you know we, we have to have both the soft programming the software in the gym and then running it efficiently for the application that we want on the ice, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've, I've been talking about that now for, uh, you know, two years. And I, and I think it's, and look, I, I don't think I have the most original ideas in the world, obviously, but like, <laughs> I think it's important. I don't, I've never really talked a lot about to, to other fellow coaches about, hey, how are you dictating what happens in the drills on the ice? I'm not a hockey coach, right? Yeah. I know when a coach comes to me and says, this guy's got to get faster. I'm like, okay, I'll do everything I can off ice, but we need to do everything we can on ice. Mm-hmm. That's going to mean he stays after or comes early and we have to make the drills really specific to speed. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's educating coaches. You, you know, it's, it's really, as we grow with data, as we grow with sports science and bigger departments, we need to educate the coaches because we're at a kind of point of young coaches coming in who grew up with all of our performance material and, and, information yep and the old guard that's trying to finish up and they just want to bag skate guys you know so it's an it's an interesting time and uh but i'm glad you brought it up because i'm pretty passionate now about finding strategies for coaches where they can help the coaches understand what we're doing you know and, and how we really affect true change you know in the in the drills you know and and arm arm them with the with the theme of that particular, it, it, you're just trying to do the same thing you're doing in the gym. Guy needs yeah. more speed. We're going to do more speed work. Guy needs more speed on the ice. Let's let's carve out some time after practice for that particular guy, right? Yeah. And I know just from watching hockey because I watch a lot of hockey, you you see a lot more now of like images of players or at least statements that, you know, so-and-so stayed behind and was working on this. And so like, even myself as a fan, I see what's going on on the ice and like, how, and I even think to myself, Oh, that, cause I'm always analyzing, right. So I'm like, Oh, that person needs, you know, you know, first step quickness. Like they need to take off. Not that they're slow. It's just, they're slow at taking like the acceleration isn't there. And then you see others, yeah, as you said, you know, they're in the corner. They're always getting beat in the corner every single time they get the puck, right? Like here in Toronto, we talk about Zach Hyman as being kind of one of the best puck retrievers that really I've I've seen. And like he just gets in the not necessarily 
and, and this is obviously a caveat, every single person who's in the NHL is skilled, but you know, looking at it, not the best scorer or puck handler or anything like that, but does his job really well, understands his role and is strong in the puck, like could be smaller than other players, but has that strength in the corners to be able to, to do yeah. that. And so I completely agree with you that communication between the strength and conditioning team, the sports science, and then the coaching staff and making sure that you are coordinating what the coaches have said as a need or the players said as a need, what you're then doing, and then making sure that it translates onto right. the on ice stuff. Right. And, and, and look, like there's a million different things like with our staff and, and the development coaches we have, when, when we sit down and we talk about these things, the player improves on them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and look, everybody's not going to be the best, you know, board work guy. Every, somebody's not going to be the best four check guy. Somebody's not going to be the best, you know, um, kind of one timer from the corner with time and space, you know, and, and net front guy. That's fine. Like mm-hmm. you just work at it. You, you know, it's really that for me, it's that simple, you know, and, and everybody says like simple, simple things matter. You know, like if you can, you don't have to make it complex. You really don't. You just got to, you got to do it. And uh, it's going to make these, these players better. And it's taught. It's the 41 year olds who I see that are still working on things to refine their game. And that the young guys need to understand that because if they want to be in the league for a long time, they're going to have to do it. But the way the game is played, you have to be good in these areas, mm-hmm. right? If you're be, if you know, it's a, you know, you've watched the game, right? So it's, you know, gain the red, get the puck behind the D, four check, you know, F1, F2. So you got to be able to win that battle. If you don't and you're below the goal line and you're not good against the wall, big guy, small guy, fast guy, slow guy, doesn't matter. If they turn it around on you and you're going to play a 200-foot game in that, and by not keeping it in there, you're going to have to play it. You're going to have to skate all the way back, right? Yeah. And think about that metabolic cost of mm-hmm. – I'm chasing all the time. I'm doing 200 foot full ice sprints because I lost the puck and I wasn't good at my battle work, yeah. you know, but I scored 40 goals in junior. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, yeah. great. Like, Oh, yeah. I was a Hobie. Baker okay, fine. You know, but yeah, I don't know. Sorry. I'm on a soapbox. <laughs> no, that's fine. That, that 200 skate back is always far harder than the 200 skate up the ice yeah. with the puck on your stick. Like yeah. it's always yeah. harder. Yes. And, uh, yeah, mentally and physically, it feels like it's always something that drains you far more when you have to escape, like spending, you know, a minute and a half, like even if you're spending a minute and a half grinding in the offensive zone, but you've got the puck and like you're kind of battling that that's always easier than spending that even 45 minutes or sorry, right. 45 seconds in the defensive zone, battling for pucks, chasing. Yeah. It's so hard. I agree. Um, so I, you I think we didn't touch on the, sorry. I, I think when, we didn't touch on the off season. Um, yes. So briefly we look at every, we have everybody's need and then we've kind of built programs, templates for a bunch of different qualities, strength, max strength, power, work capacity, speed, you know, hypertrophy. Um, and then kind of a tissue remodeling idea I got from a great friend, Jim Schneider at the university of Wisconsin. Now that took over for me, um, when I left Wisconsin. So, um, we have all these, we have all these templates to choose from when we have an athlete and we're designing the summer program, let's take a young 19 year old second year with us needs to get more strength, needs to put on some size, right? So we can have a bigger engine to produce that strength. So we will give him hypertrophy one rendition, hypertrophy two, then a strength phase, then a max strength phase as we lead up to camp. Right. So he's spending more time in the hypertrophy in the max strength phase then Patrick Marlowe and Brent Burns are in tissue remodel basic strength um, for two weeks then three week max strength phase and then okay speed one power one speed two power two work capacity and then we're gone so I mm-hmm. spent the bulk of their off-season program maintaining power qualities and specifically speed qualities because their age and number of years is going way up right yeah so and then we have probably based on everybody's needs, I would say we'd have like, I don't know, 10 to 12 renditions of programs that guys need, you know? So. Mm-hmm. 
and then we make our individual biomechanical individual individualizations um, yeah as needed yeah um yeah like that that seems pretty consistent the 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 format that you walk through is pretty much the same like there's no point in reinventing the wheel with every single individual athlete that you have but the individualization comes in the how long they stay in each phase that you're going to be using with them and then any changes yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and then any changes you have to make yeah and you know from a in-season standpoint you know we do the same thing but we're just three three training qualities that i deem i don't want these guys to lose you you know so um yeah i mean i i i like finally where i think we're at with it you know it's taken a couple years to to figure it out and get it all planned out through our system bridge athletic that we use to pump out the program but you know i think you know if, if we if someone has to do a couple renditions of max strength and you know we may go like simple simple two sets of five as a warm-up and then you know two sets of three and three sets of two you know maybe hitting a heavy single every now and then but um but a controlled one and then in the next block maybe wendler's five three one so we'll use that different strategy to plug in right um just to keep it fresh you know and and useful it's not like i have these guys on triphasic these guys on a strict wendler these guys on you know um um, edt or something to that nature you know what i mean so mm-hmm. or, or or you know something like uh um, you know dan's john dan john's easy strength or something like that i don't have all those different programs going at once you know we'll yeah. use periodization strategies that we seem deem that we deem fit in particular block but still have our flavor of how we put all of it together with speed on particular days can maybe conditioning on on some days you know yeah yeah and there's different ways to to get the adaptation it's are you using the right like, are, are you getting the adaptation you're looking for really is, is, right. is, is what you're thinking about, right? Specifically totally. in season maintaining, as you said, those qualities that you deem as the most important right. and then out of season addressing the needs, those buckets of the athlete that you have, and then tracking, are you actually getting that adaptation that you're wanting? Are you getting that tissue remodeling the way that you're wanting it and the totally. maintenance for some older athletes of their strength and power outputs? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I want to actually, this is almost going to dive back to something that we discussed in part number one and it, but sticking with programming with any sport, there are asymmetries that develop because every sport is asymmetrical. We as human beings are asymmetrical. And mm-hmm. so when you look at something like hockey, right shot, left shot, um, you know, favoring one leg, bit more strength than the other or power than the other. So you might have a longer stride or more power coming from one leg and you can have hip, like hip things go, all those types of things. How do you program to not, not, you know, deal with any asymmetries that they have, but address those asymmetries before they happen, like Mm -hmm. knowing that they're common in something like hockey? Well, I mean, because it's a rotational sport, right? We're going to have that component of functional asymmetry, you know, or automatically because they're going to more on one side, right? So mm-hmm. I, I've come to the, I'm comfortable with like adding in non-dominant side work a lot more to, to I'll ne- you'll never get to true asymmetry, right? Mm-hmm. But my problem is I look at it like lower body injury, ACL, that particular limb is completely off line, right? Mm-hmm. and we need to do so much work to bring that leg back to strength right and if we don't then you're, it's going to be compromised right yeah. they'll be interrupted when they when they return to play but I, I view i view that with healthy guys i feel like there's musculature that's turned off because of the patterns that they're using mm-hmm. right and we need a, to do a little bit to at least tip the scale towards that that end case in point med ball throws will do four sets on the non-dominant side two sets on the dominant side right or or a three and a one if you will right um strength exercises i don't go that route too much um but bridging you know side bridging mostly with the core i will make sure that we're doing 
more on that non-dominant side, right? Mm -hmm. Especially from a stability standpoint, right? Yeah. So to kind of address address that. It's not like we do, if you're right-handed, we're not going to do more pressing with the left, right? Um, only in cases of injury. But when I look at the, when I look at the core or torso, I want to make sure I do a little bit more there because that's their main driver for mm -hmm. the guys that, that, that gets used hundred percent more than the other side. Right. Yeah. And I think in looking at golf a little bit, it, it was, and this is kind of just says me what I've come to believe and learn is like low back issues are big in golf. Right. Yeah. Because they never swing the other way. Right. <laughs> so that musculature is completely on vacation, not doing its, job from a bilateral stability standpoint and you have this one side that's just constantly working overworked if you will right so yeah. maybe to bring so maybe to activate that side more then we can bring back a little bit of we get closer to symmetry you know something yeah. that's going to help maintain uh your health and, and reduce your risk of injury so. yeah yeah and i think uh like i would love to get into you know programming for you know, injury prevention, all that kind of stuff, but we don't, we don't have time today to do that. So well, we may have to have you back on for yeah, yeah, exactly. something like that. So uh, I always like to finish off every single podcast that I do. And I do a little bit of a lightning round. Um, and it's just kind of first things that come to your brain. Don't think too much about it. Uh, just very simple. As I said, three questions. First question, top three books that you've read on any topic. Okay. Um, from a, when I first took the job at Wisconsin, it being the highest level position and me knowing I was going to be around coaches, I, I really wanted to be a good manager. I really wanted to, um, I really wanted to run an efficient program, you know, like bulletproof, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe there's going to be, a, you're going to have your ups and downs, but it's, it's, the book is called, it's your ship. It was, um, commander Michael Abishoff's it's an old book. Um, it was Michael Abishoff. He took over the worst um, battleship in the Navy and he mm. turned it around to become the best. And um, a lot of it talked about empowering people. A lot of it talked about listening. Um, it was, it was great. It was inspiring. You know, it was, it was really, really cool. I've, I've loved that book. And, mm -hmm. and even though it's old, it's, if you're a young coach and you're, you're taking a, your first big job, it's a huge book, right? Um, the, Scientific side of things, uh, science and practice of strength training by Zatorsky. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's great. There's a lot of, there's a lot of concepts in that book that everybody's talking about now, right? Yeah. That book is 20 years old, maybe, you know, maybe more. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in terms of, I guess it's, it, it, I can't say three, this is kind of a, the same, the same, uh, Spencer Johnson, I think is the author. He, he really short book, but the one minute manager and, and who moved my cheese, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. So sorry, it's four, but you know, <laughs> but I think that's when you're taking over a job or you're new to a job and there's going to be change. So how do you get everybody on board for that change? And what's the most important things that you need to communicate as a manager, because you don't have a lot of time, right? Yeah. You may only have one minute. So yeah. those are classics. I think those are, those were early on in my career, um, which I, which I love, um, which I loved. So I would say if there's listeners out there who haven't read those, you know, dive in. Nice. Awesome. And I haven't read any of them. So I'm, I'm constantly adding to this reading list that I have. I know mine's long too. Man, oh man, where do you, where do we find the time? <laughs> um, next question, top three mentors that have assisted you along your journey thus far. Um, boy, I would say Dr. Margaret Jones, uh, was my advisor at Springfield and got me into this and, and challenged me early on, wanted to make sure I really wanted to do this. And, um, but really stuck by me and pushed me and guided me in the right directions to get me kickstarted on my career. Um, amazing woman, amazing woman in the field, um, PhD in exercise science. And she's, she was great. Um, she's number one. Uh, Glenn Harris for giving me my first big internship and, and taking a chance on a, on a real young guy at the time, I, I, sophomore year. I mean, how much, how much strength and conditioning experience do you have your sophomore year in school, you know, yeah. during a time when strength and conditioning was kind of uncommon in a way, mm -hmm. um, 
but and that was 98 but um and mike was awesome because he's 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 recommended me for a bunch of jobs and and i've obviously learned a ton from him um you know i think to add a fourth like an add a plus one you know brandon marcello has been tremendous because he brandon is constantly evolving and to have someone like that in your network and kind of to to chew on what all of this new stuff really means how it works is it valid all that kind of stuff he's there's no better person yeah you know, in my world at least so yeah um yeah i've had brandon Marcello on and he's uh just chatting with them and even the email kind of back and forth that we had before and after he's uh, he's been absolutely awesome um like obviously he introduced me to you he mm -hmm. told me yeah. he's like oh like have mike have mike on your podcast he's 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 good to talk to so Great. yeah he's he's phenomenal uh, i haven't had mike boyle on yet but um he's definitely one of those that i want to have on but yeah. he's a he's a busy man yeah so he is yeah that's, so that'll be uh that that's one out of the one of the goals you can I, you'll have you can just have two questions ready and then just let them run so oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, and I've seen him. I've 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 listened to him a few times at some different conferences, and it's it's hilarious to see how he'll like a slide will come up, and it'll just have like a random picture, and then he just goes, and he'll go for a good like forty minutes on one photo that, and then he'll go off on these tangents all over. The, like it's it's fantastic, yeah. um, but like just an awesome guy with the way that he sees, like reads a lot. And he's able to just see kind of different ways of, of achieving goals and kind of thinks outside the box with a lot of the stuff that he's done. And it's, yeah. it's fantastic. Final question. Uh, well, actually not the final question, final question of this lightning round. Uh, what piece of advice would you Mike of today give to 20 year old Mike? I would tell 20 year old Mike to go get your soft tissue license or, or dive into that side of the curriculum. I, I find that fascinating. I find that to be a fascinating world. I've tried to make time in this crazy schedule and with being, you know, a dad of three and it's been really hard to find time for me to get away to do it now. And um, it's probably one of the most, you know, you, you need, you need your putter and your golf bag, right? <laughs> like you can't yep. go without a putter. I don't, I don't believe, you know? Um, so that would be, you know, because of everything that happens up here, and we just talk a lot about the biomechanical needs of, of players, like you can fix stuff really quick if you can get somebody on the table or take some extra time, build in some extra time in the schedule to really address some things, you know. Um, Neil Ramp is a guy you should have on the, the, the show, but he's the head athletic trainer for the Dodgers and amazing. He's an ATC, but with an amazing soft tissue skill and um, I learned so much from Neil over the years and, and how to look for these things, possibly address these things, but manage them in that. I don't have, I don't have a, I don't have a certification in, in soft tissue, but I'll have to go get our massage therapist to come and work on it. And, um, but sometimes not every massage therapist is a performance related massage yeah. therapist, right? So I want to be able to look at the training side through my lens and then also the soft tissue side. So I would yeah. tell my find the money and make the time to do that yeah that's awesome yeah i've i've so i've got a, a little bit of a background kind of in the clinical side which is actually more where i focus a lot of my time so i'm a strength and conditioning coach but i'm also a clinical kinesiologist as well mm -hmm. and so I, I don't do necessarily manual therapy but i've got a lot of knowledge of that that side that realm so while i can't do the hands-on manipulations and all that kind of stuff that you're talking about being able to do um yeah, having that knowledge is, is hugely beneficial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing. So I actually do have one additional question that I wrote down at the beginning before we we hopped on, and it's because I was reading a bio of yours kind of right before, just kind of looking at a few different sites. Oh, what boy. was it? What was <laughs> it like? What was the difference? that you noticed the, or the biggest change or, you know, your experience working with Joe Pavelski from the university of Wisconsin, all the way up to his time with the San Jose sharks. Cause you've known yeah. him for a long time. Yeah. 20 years. I yeah. Think. What was that like? Almost 20 years. Um, man, uh, I had a front seat on 
one of the best players in U.S. hockey, will be one of the best players in U.S. hockey history. Um, I, I've had a front seat since he came in as a freshman in Wisconsin, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and, and worked with him every step of the way. And um, it, I, I've learned a ton from Joe uh, from a hockey standpoint, but also watching him work, watching him analyze his game, watching him work on his mental game, um, and maximize everything he could physically through a, a lot of the work he did. You know, Joe is very much a guy, you know, if case in point, I think the hockey world knows that he's one of the best guys tipping pucks. And I remember yeah. the conversation we had in a summer when he stayed here and we were talking about Detroit and I think we just lost to Detroit in the, in the playoffs. And um, he said, Nick Lindstrom, can knock pucks down. Like if you're a forward attacking and you try to chip it behind him, he can knock it down and then they just drive it right back up your face. Right. Yeah. And then Datsug was very good in front of the net tipping pucks. Right. And at the time, our coaching staff, there were uh, Jay Woodcroft and Todd McClellan were in Detroit for those Stanley cup runs and for the Stanley cup win. And then the loss to Pittsburgh. And then they became our coaches. Todd became our head coach, Jay, our assistant coach. Mm -hmm. So that was very much on Joe's mind. And he started tapping a ball against the wall, a racquetball, and every day before his warm up in the gym, like just learning how to juggle it against the wall on a bounce, off a bounce, whatever. And then he'd go on the ice and then he'd have a practice of his now that he adopted a long time ago was, you know, hey, shoot, you know, 200 pucks at me so I can try to tip these. Now mm-hmm. shoot them with this D man on me. And then, you know, Bernsey wind up and shoot it like we're on the power play, you know? So the evolution of his game. Mm-hmm. That was another thing too. Is the evolution of his game was 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 awesome. If I if I had any you know research type organization skills and knowledge, I would have put it together in a cool little study. In the fact yeah. that he was challenged every year for the first five years of his career to be better at a specific area, and he did. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the first things was like, I don't think you have the you know, Joe, you don't have the work capacity to 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 finish you know uh, an, an NHL game and be ready for the playoffs and. You saw his heart rate monitoring over every period at the time when we were looking at heart rate monitoring during games and you mm-hmm. would see his recovery be a little bit more core in the third period. And then you looked at it next year and it was perfect, you know, yeah. and then, you know, okay, he can get through a regular season. Now he can, you know, be dominant or, you know, be effective, I should say in the, in the playoffs. So yeah, yeah it's been, Adam, it's been, it's been a gift. It really has. And, and the friendship is even more than, than a gift, you know? So but yeah. it, it was sad to see yeah. him go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even just looking back, you know, I guess it was five years ago now that the, the big three were all together up front, you know, Pavelski, Joey T and, and Marlowe. And yeah, just remembering like reminiscing, watching those three play, man, every, every fantasy hockey pool had those three, like just phenomenal. And I had the experience with Marlowe coming to Toronto when he was here, working with the young kids here and just seeing, just the person that he is and that uh you know just from hearing talking that i know pavelski is and i know that joey t is as well just the personalities that you had in that dressing room so i i see exactly what you're saying with his his dedication to not only his teammates but his game as well because that that reflects how much he respects everybody he's he's working with but um so this is the wrap up uh one any projects or anything that you're currently working on uh, that you'd like to promote? And then uh, where can the audience go to find out, I guess, more about you and, and these products? Mm-hmm. Um, big thing we're doing now is we've uh, started a site as the NHL strength coaches in the American League strength coaches in the NHL is um, a content-driven membership site. It's called prohockeystrength.com. Um, it's an exciting endeavor in the fact that we're all collectively pushing out hockey related training content um and one in one place we have guest contributors you know the anthony donskovs the cal deets is the rajesh patels and um and obviously vicky bendis and and those those types of of, of professionals it, it, and it's great we're trying to make it the one-stop hockey shop for uh, you know all the great best content out there um and and, and and i'm proud to say like uh, you know, our, our strength and conditioning coaches, uh, association of pro hockey SCAF is our kind of acronym. We're doing it together, you know? So I don't think there's another league that's co- strength coaches are coming together and putting out content like this and having a one, one-stop shop. 
to, to learn the best practices of everybody in the field and to share ideas and, and mm -hmm. things like that. So, so that's, a, that's really exciting. And, and um, I'm, I'm proud to say we, we, we've launched it and, and there's a lot of great stuff on there. And hopefully everybody comes and checks it out. Awesome. Awesome. For sure. Um, well, thank you for taking the time today. I know we're a little bit longer than the time that I promised of two hours, but uh, it's been uh, a pleasure to speak with you. Yes, and, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, I, I just really appreciate it. And I know our listeners appreciate it. And um, we'll definitely have to all check out that uh, prohockeystrength.com and yeah. and see what you guys go on, got going and on. If, and if any listeners want to get a hold of me and, and just, you know, talk about training and talk about, you know, career path and things like that, please, they can reach out to me at my sharks email, mpotenza at sjsharks.com. Awesome. As I said, thank you very much. And uh, I look forward to our part two where we can talk about the programming for injuries and uh, do the thing that at the beginning, I'm like, oh, hopefully we can talk about this. And it's the whole military piece. And I totally forgot until at the end, I was like, oh man, I ran out of time. So we'll do it, we'll do it in part two. I'm sure the listeners will be anxious to see it. Yeah. <laughs> listen to it. Awesome. Thanks very much. Awesome, man. Thank you. State of the Industry Podcast. I'll be back.